The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York here on WGBB, Merrick, Long Island, New York. My name is Bill Donahue. I'm taking you through the first hour on this Sunday night. It's the fifth day of June 2022. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is right across the way, as always. And I'm very happy to welcome you aboard tonight. Glad you could be with us. we got a great show up ahead for you. First up, we'll welcome in the great Hall of Famer, the baby bull Orlando Cepeda. In the second half, we'll welcome in former big league outfield first baseman. He's a man who hit Tom Seaver really well, and we'll be sure to ask him about that. Tommy Hutton is going to join us. So sit back and relax, get comfortable, enjoy Sports Talk 1240. Sports Talk New York. Uh, I don't know how many times I'm going to do that, folks. I'm sorry. (laughs) Tonight on WGBB, as always, great show. Great people, good sports talk, and sports memories up ahead. As always, before we begin, I invite you to follow us on Facebook. It's titled WGBB Sports Talk New York. Got it right. There you'll find sports information, show information, so much more. Stop by, give a look, and then give a like. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter at WGBB Sports Talk. And please follow me on Twitter at B Donahue. WGBB, and if you miss a show, don't worry, because they're all out on the website. You can listen to them at your leisure. Well, our first guest, he's a native of Puerto Rico. He is an 11-time All-Star, the National League Rookie of the Year in 1958, the National League MVP in 1967. He was a world champion with the Cardinals in 1967, and he was the first winner of the American League's Outstanding Designated Hitter Award. That was in 1973. He's had his number 30 retired by the San Francisco Giants. And in 1999, of course, he was elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. It's an honor to welcome to the show tonight Orlando Cepeda. Orlando, good evening. Good evening. It's great to have you with us tonight, Orlando. I tell you, we've been trying for a while, and it's glad we finally have you aboard. And uh, we'll we'll look forward to talking about your great career. Now, your dad, Pedro, was a great ball player, and he was known as the Bull. So that's, folks, that's where we get the baby Bull from. And he was called right, right, the, the Babe Cobb of Puerto Rico, right, Orlando? Well, yeah, well, you know, he was uh, a great ball player like Ty Cobb. Yeah, so then compare with him, so that's a huge honor for my, myself and my father. Sure, yeah, I can see that. Now, because of the way things were in the nation, your father couldn't play in the major leagues, uh, but... He always had some great ball players coming over the house. I read where Satchel Paige was over your house at one time. Yes, uh, in 1944, uh, my father was playing in Puerto Rico 
for Santurce Baseball Club. So uh, the whole team came to my house because my father was hurt. And Joseph Gibson, when I saw him, almost faint, you know, it was huge. So many, because those days, so many great Negro League ball players, they come to Puerto Rico because in Puerto Rico they don't have that bullshit of uh, being black, being white, you know. Right. And they used to come to Puerto Rico to make a living. But I remember all those great Leon Day, one of the best ball players ever lived. And that's what he made call me. And I uh, used to come to my house too. Uh, of course. Well, what what great stories. Now, you you were a big fan of Minnie Minoso, too, weren't you, Orlando? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 I remember that uh, because Minnie came to Puerto Rico in 1944, too, with the Cuban on a start against my dad. And after that, I followed him. So finally, I met him in 1956 in Puerto Rico in the Caribbean World Series. So right after that, I came to the Giants spring training in 1958. So when I saw many, I embraced him. And from that moment on, we were very close. And that's why I'm so happy for him to be you know, like the Hall of, Hall of Fame. And they were a little too long. You know, because uh, he was the first Latin American ball player superstar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is great, Orlando, that he's he's going to be taking his rightful place up in Cooperstown. We'll, we'll look forward to that this summer uh, at the the induction weekend. Now, you encountered uh, so many of the ball players in in your era. You encountered discrimination uh, when you played for a team in Salem, Virginia. A lot of that garbage uh, you ran into. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I came very close to give up because I was, I was 17 years old. and I have everything in my house. But I came to the state, and the reason I stayed in the state is because my mother, because I promised her that no matter what happened to me, I'm going to stay in the state, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know in Puerto Rico about, you know, I know being black, being Latino, but you, you don't have an idea until you experience that. But the reason I stay here, you know, which I happy that I stay is because my I told my mother I want to go home. And she told me, no, you have to stay there mm-hmm. because you promised me that no matter what you're gonna stay there and send me send me some money. We go around the money, so that's why I stay, you know, in the state and and play ball and go to the big league. Uh, earn a great living. Right. We're speaking with the great Orlando Cepeda tonight on the program. Now, as you told us, Orlando, you got called up 
to the San Francisco Giants in 1958, and uh, you fell in love with the city of San Francisco, didn't you? Yeah, I still, I still, I live, I don't live too, right now, I don't live too far from the city. Uh-huh. I, I love, I love California, California. I love San Francisco very much. I was very lucky, very fortunate and, to and, be able to come and great city. Right, and uh, a bunch of great ball players there that, that you were playing with. Now, you always went, uh, to the Cop- Copacabana. Uh, Orlando, and yeah. that—that's how you got the people. We, we told you where where Orlando got the baby bull moniker. So Cha Cha came from your love of of music. Yes, yes, that was Johnny Antonelli. Ah, sure. okay. Yeah, the first day spring training, he used to go chi 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 cha 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 chi chi chi. Those days, Cha Cha was. Very hot, yeah. Yeah, and and you, you you listen to Miles Davis, John Coltrane, uh, guys oh like that, right? Oh boy, yeah. Some, yeah some... I met I met me and Miles, a good friend. Yeah, and uh, I met John Coltrane, and very quiet. Miles, my man, still my man. Great genius. Genius, those guys. Definitely, Orlando. Now, you were briefly moved to third base. Of course, we know you as a great first baseman, but you moved to third to open a spot for a young guy by the name of Willie McCovey. Now, how did you feel about moving to third base, Orlando? Well, I have to move to third, you know, mm-hmm. because Willie was doing great in AAA. And I recall that Bill Rickney, Bill Rickney, uh, Called me to his office and told me that uh, we're thinking on bringing McCovey up. Mm-hmm. It's up to you if you want to play left field. I said, Bill, I do anything. I win some games. So I go. I gotta go there and do my best. But uh, they asked me first before they bring Moody up. Uh, because Moody was a great ball project, that you know. He's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Well, I was doing great. I was in like 370. In 59, I'd make the, uh, the National League All-Star game as a first baseman, even though I was playing left field. That was, uh, a wonderful time for the Giants. Definitely Orlando. And M- McCovey needed a place to play. We know that because uh, as you said, he went on to a Hall of Fame career, Stretch McCovey. Now, we, we'll move move to 61 and 62, Orlando. You had problems with Alvin Dark. Now, what, what was the situation with Al Dark? Well, you know, Alvin Dark, he, uh, he was a good man. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's from Louisiana. And, uh, you know, he don't think too much about Latin ball players. Even though the dark play with Ruben Goblin and play with Ray Dumbledore. But, like, that things are, you know, sometimes in America, that segregation. But, uh, you know, I don't want, I don't want to talk bad about 
dark. You know? Right. I don't want to say anything, but uh, it wasn't too good to us. Right. Understood. I understand, Orlando, definitely. Now, you, uh, as happens to so many great ball players, uh, they traded you to the Cardinals for Ray Sadecki, and what a trade that was for St. Louis. How did you feel about leaving the Giants? Because, as we said, you love San Francisco. You know, we played in St. Louis on a Sunday afternoon. I had a grand slam. I got six RBIs. And so Herman Frank, he was the manager. Herman Frank's uh, right. Herman to me. I thought he could go to Orlando. Great day. He told me, very cold. You're going to stay here. And uh, wow. After I start crying, you know, because uh, yeah, I lost San Francisco too much, and uh, and, uh, well, that was a blessing, you know, coming to San Luis. That's a great, great ball town. Uh, Yesterday, Tim McCarver called me Uh to say hi. Yeah, and my best friend in baseball out from San Luis, outside of Woody, me and Woody McCarver, very close. So going to St. Louis, even though that was a tough hitting ballpark, but the teammates and Red Shandy and the whole organization took me on the city because that's when we went to, uh, that day they trade me. We flew after the game to Chicago because in Chicago it was all day game. So we played that game that afternoon, and we flew to Chicago. And then Chicago, we flew back to St. Louis. So we got to St. Louis when uh, they went to the house that I rented. They had a welcome on land, we love you. And that, you know, that changed everything. Yeah. Well, you know. So going to St. Louis was amazing. Like I told you before, Macabre. After so many years, you know, that we played together, still good friends, I feel bad about Bob Gibson and Kirk Flood and Luke Brock, Roger Maris, you know. But that was a good trade. I, I was really happy there. Yeah, things certainly worked out for you in St. Louis, Orlando. Folks not familiar, Orlando won the MVP uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And he was the second National League player after Carl Hubble, the great pitcher for the Giants, to win the award unanimously. The only other players now, uh, Orlando, Albert Pujols, Frank Robinson, and Mike Trout, the only players in baseball history to win Rookie of the Year and Most Valuable Player unanimously. And that, that certainly is a great honor. And Orlando was the first Latin player to win the home run in RBI t- titles. Now, as you said, you mentioned some great names, Orlando. You mentioned Tim McCarver, uh, Roger Maris, Lou Brock, Bob Gibson. That World Series in 1967 against the Boston Red Sox, that was a tremendous World Series, wasn't it? Well, you know, Bob Gibson, uh, how do you say this? People like Bob Gibson, you don't see that anymore. No, he he was. I, 
amazing. He was a very funny guy <laughs> until, until he pitched. I remember when uh, they turned to Atlanta, 1970. <laughs> they turned to Atlanta. Right. They, uh, he came to first base, and uh, I, I was going to tell him, hey, Bob, tomorrow I'll, I'll pick you up to the game. I, was like, I want you to come to my house for dinner for some time together. When I opened my mouth, he said, what do you mean? Don't talk to me right now because you are my enemy. <laughs> yeah, Don't right. talk to me. I'll see you after the game and whatever. But right now, don't talk to me. You're my enemy. He, so he, he was talking to us. He was like, wow. <laughs> so I came to the plate and seen him. He knocked me down. Whoa, so he, man. Yeah, that's the way he was. Yeah. He was all business. I mean, he's, he's the nicest guy you you know you want to meet. But when I put that uniform, it was all business. You know, he's, he's, he's one of the best. Him and Juan Marichal and Sandy Colfax are the best three pitchers I've ever faced. Amazing. Yes, some some great names you mentioned there. The great Orlando Cepeda with us tonight on Sports Talk New York. And uh, as you say, Bob Gibson, between those white lines, it was all business for the man. As Orlando oh, said, he knocked him down. <laughs> And and they were buddies. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. I remember I remember we played Pittsburgh. Yeah. And Roberto Momente hit a line drive and broke his leg. And uh he stood the mound, I stayed there, I don't care. That's what he was. Yeah. You no, know, he was the funniest guy you will know, Bob Gibson, but can be the meanest guy. And and as Orlando mentioned, Juan Marichal and Sandy Koufax and Gibson, three of the best that ever lived right there. Now, what I remember as a kid, Orlando, was the uh, the playoff series when you were with Atlanta against the New York Mets. Now, you, you hit a home run off Nolan Ryan. I think it was a three-run homer, wasn't it? Yeah, I won the game, yeah. Yeah. I killed the I killed the man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I killed him. Nolan Ryan, uh Tom Silver, Gentry. I played one guy for the band. They talk about Silver, they talk about Nolan Ryan, but they don't talk about Jerry Kuzman. Mm-hmm. So Jerry Kuzman was the toughest pitcher I ever faced. He have a great fastball. And a great curveball. And uh, he goes after you. Tough, 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 great pitching style. And I told my girl, too. I remember that very well. Right. That, that was some year for the Mets, as we remember. But as, as Orlando said, he was a Met killer, like so many guys, like Chipper Jones, uh, like Nate Colbert, like Dick Allen. Every team had a, uh, Orlando had a, a guy who would kill the Mets. I remember when I was a kid, there was, and, and you were one of those too. We hated to see you come up to, to the plate. 
Now, you eventually, Orlando, became a designated hitter, and you almost were the first designated hitter. It was it was uh, Ron Bloomberg, but you were the DH for the Boston Red Sox that day. Right, was a Bloomberg hit first mm-hmm. before me, and then yeah. You know, the funny thing about this is that a hitter when they called me and told me that uh, they like to have me, have me as a DH. I didn't know what I was talking about. What is that? I said, yes, 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 because I want to go back to baseball. Right. But I don't know, this, I don't know that rule, the Senator here, I didn't know anything about it. I go, I flew to Boston and this and that. But I didn't know, I don't know, I don't have an idea. What, what we're talking about. Well, that, you know, gave me a couple more years. Right. It extended your career and, and enabled you to, to uh, hit some more homers and get your way into Cooperstown. Now, right. th- th- there's a statue of you outside uh, Oracle Park in San Francisco. That must have been a tremendous honor for you, Orlando, to have that statue raised in your honor. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You know, uh, because, you know, when you play, when you play ball, you know, your high days, uh, sometimes you tend to take for granted the ability you have, you know. But I was so fortunate that I born with the ability to play baseball. And, uh, and that, that came from my mother and my father. So I'm very grateful. I play ball and did well. So very, 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 very fortunate. And and then you were elected to Cooperstown in 1999 by the Veterans Committee. Uh, you joined. Yeah, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Cooperstown. Go ahead, when uh, Orlando. Is, when they retired my number in um, July. I don't when they retired my number, they uh, remember Peter McGowan? Yes. The owner, the owner of the Giants, yeah. He came down, came down to the, to the ballpark, the clubhouse, the dugout, and told me, "Now you're gonna go to the Hall of Fame. I'm gonna make sure that you're gonna go to the Hall of Fame." And he, you know, he was for me. He brought me to the Giants. I cried when they traded me. Um, I miss him so much. But because you need somebody, you need somebody who can push, who like you. Mm-hmm. Because so many great Latino players, because they don't like you for some reason, they didn't go nowhere. But if you got somebody who like you, push you, who, that was Billy McGowan. So I give him credit, you know. Um, he, he told me, now you're going to make it. I'll never forget that. And and you did yes you you joined Roberto Clemente as the only other Puerto Rican in Cooperstown but since then Roberto Alomar uh, Ivan Rodriguez and Edgar Martinez joined you in Cooperstown and having your number retired uh, a great honor for those folks wondering the other statues outside Oracle Park in San Francisco are of course the great Willie Mays. 
the great Stretch McCovey, the Dominican dandy Juan Marichal, and, yeah. and the yeah. great Gaylord Perry. So, some great company there that, that you're in, Orlando. I know. Like I said before, you know, you take it for granted. Mm-hmm. But you play with Mays and Marichal, McCovey, and Gaylord, Jim Rayhart, Jose Pagan, great ball player. You take it for granted, but you look back and say to myself, wow, how lucky I was, how lucky I am, that born to play ball, you know. So I'm very fortunate. You certainly are, and and uh, you deserve all the accolades and all the honors. Name me one pitcher, Orlando, that you, you used to hate to face. Who would that be? What a few. <laughs> what a feel! Yeah. Well, I hate to face Sandy Koufax. Oh yeah, Jordan Padre. Oh yeah, he 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 was yeah. a Dodger, and then he he played for the Padres. Padres. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, um, so many. Ferguson Jenkins giving the most trouble. Fergie. Fergie Jenkins, yeah, another Hall of Fergie Famer. Jenkins. Definitely, yeah. Now, who, who would you say was the best skipper that you played for, Orlando? Who was, who was your your favorite manager? Uh, Rush Endes. Good man. Another Hall of Famer, yeah. He told me the first day, he told me, he told me that uh, he told me we got you here so you, because you're going to help this ball club to go all the way that's what he told me I remember he killed them you know, I was almost crying because they trade me mm-hmm and they came to my locker in Orlando. I know you feel bad, but we are, you crying, and we are so happy because you came here and they're going to help us to win the pennant. And Roger Maris told me, Roger, one the best teammate I ever had, Roger Maris, great ball player, great teammate. And he told me, and Bob, me. We're here because we, you know, you're gonna help us to go all the way. Mm-hmm. And things like that sound like nothing, but it's plenty because they give confidence and they make you feel wanted. And that, that's what they did to me. Wonderful. Well, Orlando Cepeda, it has really been an honor to have you on the show. With me, I, I thank you, Orlando, for taking time out of your Sunday afternoon, evening to spend it with us up here in New York. I, I thank your wife for helping, help, helping to set it up. Thank you, She's son. the one. She's the one put it together. She's the one, yes. She, she did a tremendous job. I thank her. I thank Ali for, for helping me. And uh, I thank you once again. And will we see you in Cooperstown in July? Oh, please come, can come and say hi, because I like to meet you in person, come down to say hi. I, w- I will, I certainly will. 
And uh, you take care. And that is the great Orlando Cepeda, ladies and gentlemen. Good night, Orlando. Good night. Thank you very much. You're Thank quite you. well. Thank you, sir. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we'll speak with the former big leaguer and broadcaster, Tommy Hutton. Stick around, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Sports Talk New York on WGBB. Just a tremendous chat with the baby bull Orlando Cepeda. What an honor it was to have him grace uh, our airwaves here at, at GBB. Uh, never a dull day with the Mets, ladies and gentlemen. I just got word that they did uh, win and eked out a split of the series uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers out in Chavez Ravine. Uh, tough time in L.A., but uh, they're, they're a great ball club. Uh, there were reports from, from the Mets that the weight room smelled like rat urine. Now, I've, I can't uh, accommodate that. I don't know what rat urine smells like, um, but uh, if, if that's what they said, I'll take their word for it. It's kind of specific. Like I said, I'm not sure I can relate, uh, despite all my time in the New York City subways, right? <laughs> right, Brian? Yeah. Uh, there is, there's also the report, as I said, never a dull day with the New York Mets. Max Scherzer gets bit by his own dog. Uh, wouldn't you think that the dog knows him by now with, with him being home all this time with, with his injury? Right? Oh, man. And, uh, I, I just want to mention, I was watching White Heat, the Jimmy Cagney movie yesterday on Turner Classic Movies. There is a scene. Watch this next time you see this this movie. There's a scene in the prison cafeteria when Jimmy Cagney find, finds out that his mother died, and they pass the word down the line to Jimmy in the cafeteria. Uh, Jim Thorpe is one of the guys, one of the convicts in that scene. Uh, Google it or see see if they have it on YouTube, or next time you, you uh, see the movie, watch for Jim Thorpe, All-American, uh, just another free nugget of information, useless information from me, folks, and uh, take that as you will. Our next guest, ladies and gentlemen, was an infielder, outfielder who played in Major League Baseball with the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, and the Expos. He's been a broadcaster of some renown. He's a guitar player, and he's had some success, which we want to talk to him about, the great Tom Seaver. It's great to welcome to the show tonight Tommy Hutton. Tommy, good evening. Well, Bill, it's great to uh, talk to you. I, I hate to follow uh, rat urine. Though. Yeah, so, I, I, I don't we'll, know. I, I mean, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. I, I, I mean, 
it is the second oldest ballpark in the National League now, Dodger Stadium. So, so who knows? You know, I, but, but that was one of the reports from the Mets out of, uh, Dodger Stadium this week. So, uh, we'll let that one, uh, fly by itself, Tommy. Now, I want to ask you, you're, you're a Southern California boy. Who are your sure. heroes as a youth? Your sports heroes? Well, you know, it's interesting because we're talking here a little bit about Dodger Stadium and, and growing up, uh, before the Dodgers, uh, moved to Los Angeles, uh, we used to follow, my dad used to take me to, uh, AAA games, the Pacific Coast League. They had teams in, in Los Angeles and one in Hollywood. And so we used to go to games there and see different players. I remember seeing a big right-handed hitter named Steve Bilko and he ended up going up with, uh, I think the Angels later on. But then when the Dodgers came out, they came in, uh, uh let's see, where'd they come in, uh, 58. Yeah. And I was 12 years old then, so I, I was prime for Major League Baseball. And you know, I followed the Dodgers when when I was a kid in, in junior high and high school. And and I, I remember all the names. I remember when they played in the Coliseum before they mm-hmm. opened right. up Dodgers. They opened up Dodger Stadium, and uh, uh, Wally Moon used to hit opposite field home runs because it was about 250 feet to left field. <laughs> Moonshots, yeah, yeah, moonshots. So. I remember those teams, and you know, it's funny, I was talking to somebody the other day, and it is amazing how when you're young and you follow a team, I can remember the all-switch hitting infield of Gilliam, Maury Wills, Jim Lefevre, and Wes Parker. Right. Uh, Johnny Roseboro was a catcher, Willie Davis, Tommy Davis in the outfield. and That's why it was a thrill for me when I signed with the Dodgers, uh, to go to spring training and be around some of those guys. I, I remember going to spring training my first spring and, and at first base doing some drills and there's Ron Fairley and, and Wes Parker and, uh, the next year Bill Buckner and Steve Garvey were there too. So that's why I ended those up guys. in Philadelphia. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so you remember all those names. It was fun following the Dodgers then. How about playing for Walter Alston, the Hall of Famer? You know, I, I didn't, I got a chance a little bit in spring training and then a couple of times I got called up during the season. That was an era, uh, when you, you didn't speak unless you were spoken to. Uh, so when you got called up and you didn't get a lot of playing time, uh, there wasn't a whole lot you said to the manager. You didn't have a lot of interaction. It wasn't like now where players uh, feel slighted if the manager doesn't come over and pat them on the back once yeah. in a while. Uh, it, it was just, you know, he was very quiet. He was very stern. Um, I do remember my very first game, which was is something you never forget, having grown up in L.A., being a Dodger fan, they were playing at home, and I'd gotten called up in uh, September, and I was 20 years old. I'd been there for uh, a week or so. I hadn't gotten in a game. And Alston did come over to me, and he goes, you want to play? Uh, or he didn't say you want to. He says, you're going to play the top of the ninth. Uh, on defense at first base. Uh-huh. So he figured it was safe to put me out there because Koufax was pitching for the Dodgers. So I got <laughs> yeah. to play my first game one inning behind Sandy Koufax. Not too bad. Not too bad, Tommy. Yeah. Now, as you say, you, you, they sent you to the Philadelphia Phillies, I, I can imagine, because uh, Wes Parker, star, yeah. of the, star of the Brady Bunch, and uh, they also had Dr. Strangeglove, right? Dick Stewart Dick out Stewart there. Dick Stewart was there. They, yeah, I got called up in 69, and Dick Stewart was there. Yeah, I, I got to uh, <laughs> be a teammate of his. 
But like I said, with with Parker, Garvey, who I played with in the minor leagues but was a third baseman, but then he transitioned over to first. The next year or two, they got Bill Buckner. Uh, Ron Fairley was around early on, so they had all these guys, and I, I figured my my best shot maybe was to get traded and go somewhere else. And and there you did, and uh, and it worked out for you. We're speaking with Tommy Hutton tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, Vince Scully was with the Dodgers back then. Did did he have mm-hmm. any influence on you uh, wanting to be a broadcaster, Tommy? Um, you know, not really. I, okay. I mean, obviously, I listened to him, and and he's the broadcaster that uh, I just remember as a as a youth. Uh, once the Dodgers came to Los Angeles. Uh, Vince Gully and Jerry Doggett was his partner way back then. Mm. Um, I think I, I always, I enjoyed being around people. I enjoyed speaking to groups. When I was in Philadelphia, they had a really good program, uh, and they'd send a lot of us players out to uh, participate at Little League banquets, and we'd say a few words, speak a little bit, and then hand out trophies, and it was kind of fun to do, and I always enjoyed that, and uh, I always looked ahead at when my career was winding down at what I might want to do and and broadcasting was something that I really had an interest in and uh the Expos I was playing with the Expos and John McHale was the general manager and when he released me uh it was a Sunday uh, I always tell a story cuz I I got a little frustrated my my batting group you know you always hitting groups about four or five guys mm-hmm. my group had five more minutes uh, and five swings to uh, hit, and I got cheated out of my last five swings because I got released. Oh, man. Uh, but he asked me, he said, I know you have an interest in broadcasting. Would you like to stay with the club and help out on the radio uh, uh, for a few games? And so uh, I made that decision. My wife and I decided that was a good thing to do, and so I, I got released on a Sunday, and Wednesday I worked a game, uh, Expo's Philadelphia game, uh, in Philadelphia, uh, three days later. So, uh, it didn't take me long. No, pretty good. Not, not too shabby. Now, we, we spoke in the, in the opening about your success against Tom Seaver, and I'll, I'll let the folks know, uh, Tommy faced Tom Seaver 62 times. He batted 320. He drew 11 walks, hit three homers, and drove in 15 runs. Now, to what do you attribute, Tommy, your success against the uh, the great Hall of Fame receiver? Well, I, I you know I just used to tell people uh, a lot of it was a, a confidence thing because after the first year I'd had a little success, and uh, every time I wasn't even the everyday first baseman, and I think my second year, seventy three, second full year, uh, uh, Willie Montanez was our everyday first baseman. Mm-hmm. So I, I was going to just back him up, play some outfield, do that. But we opened up the season in New York, and Danny Ozark placed me at first base, and I hit cleanup, of all things. But wow. uh, yeah, I think it was a confidence thing. You know, guys would come in the clubhouse, teammates would say, oh, man, Seaver's pitching. You're probably good for two or three hits tonight. Get a few <laughs> knocks off Seaver. So, you know, it was just all in my head, and I had confidence. And the 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 one part of the story that, I, I always have to tell, and it, it just shows how things change. When he was with the Mets and I was with the Phillies, that's when I had the most success. I think those six years, I was over 400 against him. Then I got ended up in Montreal, and he ended up in Cincinnati. 
And I want to say during that time, I was only like two for 15 or something against him. So it was the, the aura had gone. He was with another club. I was with another club and it just wasn't the same. No, everybody killed the Mets and, and, uh, back in those days, Tommy, I, I just, uh, was speaking to Orlando Cepeda and he was one of those guys, Nate Colbert with the Padres, Dick Allen, Rusty Staub before he came aboard. Uh, oh, yeah. every team had a Met killer. Did, did you ever talk to Tom about this? <laughs> no, I, no. I, I really tried to, you know, I didn't want to blow the mystique. Yeah. So I, I, I really kind of, I, I've always wished I would have because over the years I have I have spoken to him, but when we were playing, no, I didn't really uh, talk to him too much. Of I didn't want to blow it, you know. I was superstitious. No, I didn't yeah. want to screw it up. <laughs> and he he might have uh, broke your streak. I want to talk to this next. He might have plunked you. And you he are might no- have. you're notable, Tommy, for never having been hit by a pitch in in your career. One thousand nine hundred twenty plate appearances, never hit by a pitch. We contrast that with Ron Hunt, uh, who was like the human <laughs> pincushion. He was hit by a pitch two hundred and forty three times. That that's approximately once out of every twenty five times up. Uh, why? Why were were you never hit? Did you stand off the plate? To what do you, you know? Attribute? I guess it it just goes to show. Well, first of all, I, I always uh, explain I was hit quite a few times in the minor leagues. Okay. In the, in the sev- seven years I played in the minor leagues, so I I don't know. I mean, it, it just shows that I wasn't that much of a feared hitter, so nobody worried too much about me. They'd say, "Oh, I'll just lay it in," facing. Guys like Bob Gibson, he'd just go here, go ahead and hit it. You're not going to hit it out. You might hit it out once in a while, but, and so they, they weren't afraid of me too much. So maybe that's why I had quick feet. Maybe that was why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, that, that is a, a great record. That certainly is. We're speaking with former Philly Dodger Tommy Hutton tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, uh, 12 seasons, you hit 248. Uh, 22 homers, 186 RBIs. People may, uh, look at you and say, uh, is that all you, you did now? <laughs> but, but well, I always remember, Tommy, Buddy Harrelson, uh, people giving him a hard time about it, his seven career home runs. And he, he'd say to the MC or whoever he was talking to, how many did you hit? Yeah. Right? Well, and I, I guess I'm, I'm happy to say three of those 22 were against Seaver. So, uh, oh yeah, and, right. <laughs> and I used to, I used to tell people, you know, when you when you hit, you know, if you're Mark McGuire or Bonds or Henry Aaron, those guys, they can't tell you all their home runs, but I could pretty much tell you all mine because I remember them because there's only 22. Nice. I remember my last my last one was against uh, Bruce Keeson uh, and Pirates. the and the Pirates. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I see you remember stuff. My first one was against Bill Hands. Uh, he pitched for the, uh, the at that Cubs. time he was with the Cubs. Right. Yeah. He was, he's a, a Long Island, or he was a Long Island boy, Bill Hands. Lived oh, by the way, I'm, I'm so pleased to follow, uh, Orlando Cepeda in talking to you because when I was, when I was a kid, of course, I saved all the cards and baseball cards and everything. And right. I used to love watching, uh, watching Cepeda hit and, and then having been a teammate of Tim McCarver's for a few years in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. he used to tell me some Cepeda stories, too. He um, he mentioned, Tommy, as a matter of fact, that he just got a phone call yesterday from Tim McCarver. 
Oh, so, good, yeah. Good. So th- those guys still keep in touch, but I, I remember playing wiffle ball and I'd emulate, uh, Cha-Cha's stance there with, with, uh, the bat held, held a little bit high and, mm-hmm. uh, wagging it. And, uh, I, I could imitate Orlando Cepeda, but I couldn't hit like him. That's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> now we, we mentioned Montanez. Any good stories about Willie? I know, I know people, uh, remember him as, as, uh, a hot dog and he, he, uh, he was the subject of, of, um, some emulation by the San Diego chicken. Uh, I don't know if you've <laughs> ever seen that. Do, doing the Willie Montanez, uh, run around the bases, uh, after a home run. And- oh, well, that, that, that takes me to the story I have about Willie. We, we were in, uh, in Chicago playing the Cubs. And Willie hits a home run off Ferguson Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And he hit it real good. And, and he used to take, when he hit a home run, one of the widest turns at first base. I mean, he'd go all the way around the first base coach's box <laughs> before he finally got to first base. Yeah. And then headed on. And he took his time around the bases. So he gets to the dugout. And, and Willie was funny because he he was from Puerto Rico, Spanish. He had a little bit of a lisp. And so when he talked, he had, he had that little lisp. And he tells us in the dugout, he goes, uh, I know I know he's going to hit me next time up. I know he's going to hit me. <laughs> yeah. And that's the way the game was. And sure enough, next time he stepped in the plate, he got plunked right in the ribs and took his base. But uh, he just knew that. i tell you another funny story. We're on the bus getting ready to go to uh, uh, on a road trip and Paul Owens uh, comes on the bus in Philadelphia and he calls Willie off the bus and that was when Willie got traded to the Giants for uh, Gary Maddox mm-hmm. and uh, so we, we used to have some fun he was a great teammate yeah <laughs> not enough mustard as they say to, to put on <laughs> Willie Montanez that's for yeah, sure yeah Willie and Tito Fuentes yeah <laughs> I remember Tito, yeah, with the Giants. <laughs> another guy, yeah. Now, now another uh, aspect to your career, Tommy. Uh, Tommy Hutton with us tonight. Your brother-in-law was Dick Ruthven, and you yeah. guys were actually teammates on the Phillies. Now, I can imagine you got to watch yourself on the road, right? With uh, with your brother-in-law there, you, you you can't really step out of line at all. No, you got to be careful. And actually, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was, I, I met, we're married to twin sisters. I don't know if you've. No, I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so he met, I kind of introduced him. My wife and I got married first and thankfully we're 48 years now. Nice. Congratulations. And Dick, Dick and his wife for 47 years. They got married the next summer. Uh, so yeah. And they're still married. We still, they live up in Atlanta. I live in Florida, but we still. Stay in touch. We're actually going out to visit them in Colorado. We're going to spend some time with them. But, uh, yeah, I only, and I think I only faced Dick three, two or, two or three times. One time I hit a bullet and it was an out and one time he jammed me and it was a base hit. So we had a few laughs about that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. All in the family. Yeah. What, what a great story. Uh, now we spoke in the opening, Tommy, about you being a guitar player. Do you still play? I, I do not, and okay. uh, you know there are times I wish I, I kind of did a little bit. My my youngest son he he played a little bit too. So um, 
but no, I, yeah, I used to play, played in Philadelphia in, in, uh, the, uh, forget what they called it, up on the, uh, level at the ballpark Friday nights. I would, mm-hmm. I would do stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, it was fun at the time. I enjoyed it and it actually was fun on the road to do that and keep you busy. Now, who did you, uh, listen to back then? Oh gosh, I would listen to a lot of the, uh, a lot of the folk stuff, and I remember there was a DJ in uh, Philadelphia who I got to know. His name was T. Morgan, and one day he came up. We were talking, and he said, "Hey, I got this uh, this young guy from the Jersey Shore just sent me some tapes." <laughs> he said, "You might like him, Bruce Springsteen." <laughs> so I've always listened to a lot of Springsteen. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Now. Uh, I also read, Tommy, that you performed in Vegas with Maury Wills. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. We, uh, it was at, it was one I was playing a little bit and, and, uh, in 1966, uh, I was, uh, I'd had a good season. I'd gotten called up at the end of the season and the Dodgers that year went on a, uh, tour over in Japan. Unlike, unlike today when they send all-star teams, this was the Dodger team and we were there for three weeks. We played 17 games. Wow. And there were a few, couple of the guys didn't, didn't want to go. And so because I had had a good minor league season, I got invited to my roommate and I, Alan Foster was my roommate. He was a good pitcher. We got invited to go. Mm -hmm. So Maury, we're on this long flight to Japan and I had my guitar. Maury played guitar and banjo and so we used to do stuff and play and so like the next winter I get a call out of the blue from from Maury and he goes uh, hey do you want to go to Vegas and I, I was living in California at the time and I just thought he wanted to go to Vegas for the weekend or something <laughs> yeah Maury used to do a show in uh in one of the old hotels downtown on the downtown strip and so no he wanted me to be a part of his act so wow. I ended yeah. up going down to Vegas. I think we were there for uh, four or five weeks. Wow. Uh, I was with him. So we had, we had, hey, I was young. I was single. Uh, why, why wouldn't you have a good time? Yeah, know? right. And what kind of music <laughs> did you guys play? Well, one, one of the things I would used to play, and then he would do a little bit with it, is Mr. Bojangles. Ah, okay. He, he used to, he used to love that. So, uh, we would do stuff like that. I only performed a couple songs and then he did the whole show. He just had me come out and I'd do a couple songs. That's something I didn't know about Maury Wills either. That's really interesting, Tom. Yeah. 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 Uh, great, uh, another nugget there, folks, that you can take home with you is, uh, is part of the show. Now, while we're on music and I'm going to start asking guys this question more often, Tommy is, uh, if you were playing today, what would be your walk-up song? <laughs> there you go. Oh man, uh, maybe, maybe it would be Mr. Bojangles. I don't know. I yeah. think the or, the organist in Philadelphia, Paul Richardson. I remember his name. He used to play it. We didn't have walk-up songs, but I think he used to play that because he knew I, I played that. But I, I, I have no idea. I'd have to pick something a little more, uh, a little more uh, modern. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, there's one organist. I think he's in Atlanta. is is uh, really clever with with uh, 
songs when guys come up to the plate, uh, giving them the business a little bit here and there. But uh, nowadays, these guys have their own music. They're, they're like choreographed when they come up to the plate. Uh, the, the the stadium plays the tune, and uh, everybody has their own walk walk up music. So I figured I'd start yeah. asking that to guys. And uh, well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not going to tell you the name. Okay. Uh, but be, because I'm around the Marlins and and I I still do some broadcasting with them, I heard a story about one of their players after his at bat. He immediately went into the clubhouse and called somebody upstairs and said, "Hey, you played the wrong walk-ups." <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Wow! Yes, so, it, it means a lot to these guys. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Unbelievable! Now you you went to Montreal. You you played for both uh, Canadian ball clubs. Uh, what about playing in Montreal? Do you think they're going to get another ball club in there? Well, before I answer that, I'll give you another nugget since you're in the mood for nuggets. Yeah, let's go. All right, I am I am the only player who played for both Canadian teams and broadcast for both Canadian teams. Ah, there you go. So, but I I I think it would be nice if they got a team, but I don't think they will. That that would be my short answer to you. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, now, uh, in your broadcasting career, you worked with two guys that were also Met broadcasters. I don't know if you know who who is who here, but we're talking about Gary Thorne and Steve Zabriskie. Yeah, they, yeah, they both worked for the Mets uh, at one at one point in time, and we had them here. Sure, good good guys, good guys, great guys. I, I did the uh, in two thousand for the uh, international feed. Uh, Gary Thorne and I did the 2000 uh, National League Championship Series and World Series. And then I, I was about six years, I did some ESPN games, and I worked some quite a few ESPN games with uh, Steve Zabriskie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gary Thorne, I believe he used to do the uh, the Hall of Fame uh, ceremony too, but that's yes. that since has gone to uh, Brian Kenny. Uh, Brian Kenny with ESPN, yeah, I think, does it yeah. now. Yeah. That's exactly it. Now, uh, you played for a couple of managers in your career. Uh, who would you place at the top of your list? Uh, good question. Um, I would say the one that, uh, and, and he was probably, as far as being terrific, great managers, was probably the least of the other ones I played for, but I got along with him and I had success with the Phillies when Danny Ozark was there. Danny Ozark, uh, yeah. However, however, Dick Williams has has a, a, a history and a reputation of of being probably a better manager, a good strategical manager. But for Dick Williams, you could go you could go a couple of weeks, and if you weren't a regular player and you didn't do much, he he wouldn't even talk to you. <laughs> uh, I remember getting in the elevator one time, and he didn't even say anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he's in but, the Hall uh, of Fame, Dick Williams. Yeah, so guy, you know, guys like that, I always say, I think he was a good strategical manager. Would would he get along in today's game? Probably not. But of all those people, I got to go back to my minor league days. The the best guy that I ever was around, and and part of it is because he also was the scout that uh, signed me, and then I played three years for him in AAA. Was Tommy Lasorda? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay, of course. Lasorda, another Hall of Famer, 
definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, Tommy, I tell you, uh, it's been a pleasure. We've, we've had some laughs here. We had a good time. I hope the folks enjoyed it. I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday evening to spend it with us up here in New York. And uh, we'll look for you on the Marlins broadcast. All right. Hey, Bill, enjoyed it. Always had good times in New York. Always enjoyed going to uh, Old Shea Stadium. Oh, yeah. It, it's gone but not forgotten, <laughs> Tommy. That, that's that's about all I can say about big old Shea. Uh, thanks again, Tommy. All right, Bill. My pleasure. That's Tommy Hutton, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that will just about do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Orlando Cepeda and Tommy Hutton, my engineer, Brian Graves, and, of course, you guys for joining us. And uh, I'll see you next week with Mike Bordick and Ray Scott uh, from the world of basketball. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue, wishing you a good evening, folks. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.